0: Daniel chapter 6 as we consider the message this morning. We're going to read the whole chapter. Again, it's one of those accounts that is familiar to us. Daniel in the lion's den, maybe your Bible has a a heading that says that. Maybe you've grown up hearing this story, but as with all things in the Bible, I ask that you would hear it with new ears, Um, listen to what it says, trying to Put yourself in the position because it speaks to us today. So Daniel chapter one, we're going to excuse me, Daniel chapter six and verse one. We're going to start there. Daniel six and one says it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom, 120 princes, which should be over the whole kingdom and over these three presidents of whom Daniel was first, that the princes might give accounts to them and the king should have no damage. Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king thought to set him over the whole realm. Then the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find none occasion nor fault for as much as he was faithful. Neither was there any error or fault found in him. Then said these men, We shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Verse 6. Then these presidents and princes assembled together to the king and said thus unto him, King Darius, live forever. All the presidents of the kingdom, the governors and the princes and the counselors and the captains have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that... Whosoever shall ask a petition of any God or man for thirty days, save of thee, O king, he shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing, that it be not changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not. Therefore, King Darius signed the writing and the decree. Verse 10. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house and his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed, and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God, and then they came near and spake before the king concerning the king's decree. Hast not thou signed a decree that every man that shall ask a petition of any god or man within thirty days, save of thee, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing is true, according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not. Then answered they and said before the king, That Daniel, which is of the children of the captivity of Judah, regardeth not thee, O king, nor the decree that thou hast signed, but maketh his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was sore displeased with himself and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. And he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. Then these men assembled unto the king and said unto the king, Know, O king, that the law of the Medes and Persians is, that no decree nor statute which the king establishes may be changed. Then the king commanded, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. Now the king spake and said unto Daniel, Thy God, whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. And a stone was brought and laid upon the mouth of the den and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords that the purpose might not be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went into his palace and passed the night fasting. Neither were instruments of music brought before him and his sleep went from him. Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste to the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel. And the king spake and said unto Daniel, O Daniel! Servant of the living God, is thy God, whom thou servest continually, able to deliver thee from the lions? Then Daniel said unto the king, O king, live forever. My God hath sent his angel, and hath shut the lions' mouths, that they have not hurt me forasmuch before him. Innocency was found in me, and also before thee, O king, have I done no hurt. Then the king was exceeding glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no manner of hurt was found upon him because he believed in his God. And the king commanded, and they brought those men which had accused Daniel, and they cast them into the den of lions, them, their children, and their wives. And the lions had mastery of them and break all their bones in pieces wherever they came at the bottom of the den. Verse 25, Then King Darius wrote unto all people, nations and languages that dwell upon the earth, peace be multiplied unto you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom men tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and steadfast forever, and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed, and his dominion shall be even to the end. He delivereth and rescueth, and he worketh signs and wonders in heaven and in earth, who hath delivered Daniel from the power of the lions." So Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, we come before you and uh, pray that you would speak to us this morning through this message as a, in this time of preaching, that you would remove distractions from our hearts, help us to have open minds and, and open hearts this morning, Lord. Do the work that only you can do, and I ask that you give me the words that you would have me to say. Watch over us, protect us. Just move among us, Lord. I thank you for all that you've done. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. As I read this book, I am always struck by the faithfulness of Daniel. In his situation where he is living, in the circumstances he finds himself, no matter what they may be, he always stands as a shining example. When we started this series. We made mention that Daniel is a type of Christ and a shining example of how God's people ought to live. And again, as we've said many times, something that is speaking right into today and our situations that we face. We can look at Daniel and know how to act under this current government. We can look at Daniel and know how to act under these current orders or current laws. Because Daniel found himself in the same place and he was a shining, faithful example in all of it. And so we have before us this uh, passage of Daniel and the lion's den. If you, if you read the text, you kind of notice some similarities between chapter 3, don't you? The fiery furnace and Daniel's three friends. Well, the book does that, actually. The writer whom we assume to be Daniel actually has a pattern. Chapter 1 sets the scene. Chapter 2 and chapter 7 tell of a dream. King Nebuchadnezzar's dream, and then Daniel receives the same dream. And the interpretation is given. And we have chapter 3 and chapter 6 that tell of faithful people in the face of persecution. Chapter 4 and chapter 5 tell of arrogant kings who are brought low. Nebuchadnezzar to belief, Belshazzar to death. And then the rest of the book from chapter 8 is visions of prophecy, ones that have been fulfilled and will be fulfilled ultimately in the end of times. All of this is written for our learning. You can look here, read here, and find strength for the things that you face today. Daniel makes it clear that nobody's in control but God. God sets up kings, God takes them down. Didn't we see that with the past two chapters? All kingdoms are subordinate to Him. He will ultimately rule as supreme over all. No matter what happens, that is the assured feature. That's a hope in Daniel's heart. God is king over all this. And in the meantime, we are to live faithful to Him with that hope in our hearts. So let's see how that works out in the text this morning. First thing I'd like you to notice is the promotion of Daniel. We'll consider the promotion of Daniel. We need to have a, a quick word of setting. Chapter 6 actually picks up right after chapter 5. Look back in chapter 5 in verse 30. It says this, In that night, the night of the hand and the writing on the wall and all that we looked at, that night was Belshazzar the king of the Chaldeans slain, and Darius the Mede took over the kingdom, being about 62 years old. Right here, what we're reading is the beginning of what's called the Medo-Persian Empire. Two groups of people, the Medes and the Persians, who who come together and rule the world just as Babylon ruled the world before them. The ruler's name is Darius, Darius, however you want to pronounce it. Actually, it's Dariavesh. And it's just a term, like Caesar. This isn't the guy's name. He has a real name. Quite frankly, you guys don't care about it. We'll look at a really important one you need to know the name of next week. But it's a term like Caesar, Darius. This is the vision being fulfilled. Do you remember the vision, that, the dream that Nebuchadnezzar had? That statue with the head of gold and the arms and, and of silver, legs of brass, and all that went along with that? And Daniel says, hey, King Nebuchadnezzar, you're the kingdom of gold, but there's ki- coming another kingdom after you who's going to take over and then another one after them? This is God's prophecy being fulfilled right before Daniel's eyes. Babylon falls, and now the next one, these arms and chests of silver, the Medo Persian Empire, they come in to rule. This is a government change, which, by the way, is not unusual for history. You can look past or look over the past uh, events of history and you see. From time to time, governments change. Rulers change. The whole dynamic changes. This is a new world power. And Daniel was expecting it. In fact, in Daniel chapter 7, that vision that he gets comes in the first year of Belshazzar. So while he's still under Babylon's rule, he gets reminded of it. Let me just say this. We're not used to this at all, right? For 250 years or so, we've had the very same government. We've had the same ruling principles over it. But this is the way of the world. Rulers rise up and rulers fall. A new one takes its place. And that may very well be, beloved, what we are seeing. You understand that? We may be in the beginnings of a new change in our nation. New generations that rise up and go against the system put in place by our founding fathers. New rulers that want to have ultimate power. And though it may be unsettling, it's not abnormal in history. We think America is exempt from many things of history, but we are not. Nations rise and nations fall, and it could be that we are seeing the decline and fall of our own nation. I pray not, but that could be what we are seeing. Daniel saw it. And Daniel could sit here and say, "Ah, oh, man, here we go again. He's already experienced being taken from Israel. He spent some 70 plus years here in Babylon. He's old. He's like 80 plus. He could say, who cares? I'm just going to do whatever I want. Or he could try to position himself to get in good. But Daniel does what Daniel does. He doesn't need to impress this king by any special means. He doesn't throw in the towel, no. His godly character comes through. Look at verse 1. Darius sets over this kingdom 120 princes. So he, he sets over this his kingdom this oversight system. And over these 120 rulers, verse 2, you have three chiefs or three presidents. And Daniel is the primary one. In fact, so much that Daniel... Gets this position of being over the whole realm. Verse 3 is what I want you to notice. Then Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes because an excellent spirit was in him. Why did he get promoted? Because he, he campaigned for it or he got himself in good? No. His excellent spirit showed through. And the 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 book says that multiple times of him. The word means preeminent, surpassing, exceeding. Daniel stood out because of his character. When all the world is going this way and they're calling you to go that, will you stand out as Daniel and say, no, I serve God? Doesn't matter what you're going to do. Doesn't matter what you're going to say. I'm going to be faithful to God. That character will stand out in the world. As Daniel's did. And it started early in his heart. Do you remember chapter 1 and the, the food and the drink that the king gave him? And there's that line that said, Daniel purposed in his heart he would not defile himself. That decision was made when he was a young teenager. Here now he is pushing 90 and he's still the same. He has still stood by those principles. Why? Because he purposed early on. And that purpose and that giving of his heart to God kept him Through all of the trials, all of the tribulations, even now in this point, it caused him to be faithful to his God. You see, when your heart and your mind are stayed on God, you are kept in peace. Doesn't the scripture say that? Isaiah chapter 26 says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Trust in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. And do you know that passage in Isaiah 26 is prophesying the fall of Babylon? You know what that means? Through it all, if you're trusting in God, you'll be kept in peace. You know why the news doesn't shake me to my core? Because my trust is not in the government. Why the stock market falls doesn't cause me to fall apart? Because that's not the foundation I'm standing on. I'm trusting in God. And if my heart and my mind are truly stayed on Him, I have peace through that. Just the same as Daniel did. A new government changed. The whole whole thing is shifting and Daniel could be on shaky ground, but no, an excellent spirit was found in him. Why? Because he trusts in God. And he was kept. God keeps us in peace. That gives us clearer vision than the right now, doesn't it? In fact, when our mind and our heart are stayed on him, we're able to thrive in difficult times, just like Daniel did. We see right here that Daniel is placed in a position of authority. God elevates him, which is totally fine, by the way. It's okay for God to elevate you. God does that. God places you in the positions that you are in for a reason. Daniel is his man in this government. And by the way, don't forget, so is Darius. So was Nebuchadnezzar. So is Washington and Lincoln, Obama. God sets up kings. Some of them listen to godly counsel. Some of them do not. But may I say the pagan, u- the pagan kings who God uses for his purposes do not change the character of God's people. I'm not faithful because a president is good or bad. You understand? Church doesn't change because of who is in control. The identity of God's people does not live or die with national identity. If America falls, the church is still the church. And God is still good. And Jesus is still Savior. And we will still serve Him no matter who's in control. So don't let this situation we're facing shake you to the core. God is still God. And God may be moving through it just as He was here. We don't change. We stay the course, don't we? Daniel was faithful through that and let us do the same. In The worst of times, or in the best of times, we are who we are. We are able to excel. We are able to stand out. And don't expect everybody to be happy with that. Don't expect them to drive by and see open doors and say, Honk, honk, great job. Expect them to pick up a phone and dial the hotline. Expect them to post on social media. Expect them to say things that are derogatory. When you stand for your faith in your family or in your work, expect people not to be happy with it. Why? It's simply I can simply say what Jesus says, if the world hates me, it's going to hate you too. Look at verse 3 because an excellent he was preferred above the presidents and princes because the excellent spirit was found in him. In the beginning of verse 4, Then they sought to find occasion against Daniel. They hate him for who he is, for his principles, for his faith, for his stand. It's no secret who he was. He didn't like keep it on the down low. Like I'm a, I'm a Christian. Well, he was an Israelite, but I'm a Christian, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep that quiet because you know it could cause a lot of problems. You know, you don't want to just walk into work and start witnessing. It's crazy talk telling people how much Jesus loves them and and how God is the king of all. Man, you got to be careful with that. Sundays is fine, but you got to be careful and keep it on the down low. Daniel was not like that. No, I don't believe it was any secret who he was. Yeah, I pray. I pray to God. I don't care if you're the next king. That's what I'm going to do because I'm faithful to my God and I have purpose in my heart. Didn't he stand up to Nebuchadnezzar time after time after time? You remember the statement of the three Hebrew children? We are not careful to answer thee in this matter. We're not going to bow down. There's no closet Christianity going on in the Bible. It was clear who he was, and that brought him into favor with the ruler, and it brought him into hatred of the world. Understand Christianity has enjoyed an elevated position for about the past 250 years or so, unlike any other time in history. We have enjoyed great blessings. We have enjoyed great liberties. And I am thankful for that. And some of our rulers, some of our presidents of this land, or the senators or the people in the government positions, some of them have listened more to the tenets of Christianity, some less seems to be along a cycle. Now, all along the way, there has been a contempt for the things of God. That's just the way the world is, right? Sin and Satan and the world and the hold that that he has does not care for anything of God or His Word. But in the past, it seems to have been veiled or quieter, if you will. Well, now we see that changing right before our very eyes, don't we? Outright blatant hatred. Was not their Bibles being burned over the weekend? Did I see it Did I see a cross on fire? I thought I saw a picture of that, regardless. That's hatred. This thing is changing right before our very eyes. It's no longer veiled. It's no longer behind the scenes. It's outright. Expect that, beloved, to get worse. Expect that as time draws on and man descends deeper into our fallen state away from God and deeper into sin, expect for the hatred of anything that has to do with God to intensify. And then expect for action to be taken. So we go from the promotion of Daniel to the persecution of Daniel. Notice, chapter, notice verse 4. Then the presidents and the princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom. that's the laws of the land. They're going to search for any way that he breaks the laws, but they could find none occasion nor fault for as much as he was faithful. Neither was there any error found or fault found in him. They try to see if he's missed some taxes, they try to see if he's got some speeding tickets, or they try to see if he's got anything in the closet. So they, they they focus first on trying to bring him down concerning the kingdom and the laws of the land, but they can't find anything. What does it say? They could find nothing. No, Daniel pays his taxes. Daniel honors the king, Daniel follows the laws. Daniel's not speeding in his chariot. Do you understand? What's that saying? Daniel is a faithful citizen in Babylon, in captivity. He's not in his homeland. He's in a foreign land under a foreign king and he's following their laws. He is a faithful citizen. Part of this excellent spirit that was in him was being a good witness by being a faithful citizen. I want you to see this. Keep your finger here, we'll be back. But if you could turn just a couple pages back in your Bible to the book of Jeremiah. I want you to see this, Jeremiah in chapter twenty-nine. We're going to be back here actually next week for a different angle, but the Bible tells us, Daniel tells us, he read this. Daniel read the book of Jeremiah, and he comes across this passage. Jan- Daniel, or excuse me, Jeremiah chapter twenty-nine and verse one. This is what Daniel reads. Now these are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem unto the residue of the elders which were carried away captives. He's writing from Israel which is now destroyed. Nebuchadnezzar has come in, taken all these people captive. He writes a letter to those who are taken captive. To the priests and the prophets, to all the people who Nebuchadnezzar carried away captive from Jerusalem to Babylon. After that Jeconiah the king, the queen and the eunuchs, that would be Daniel right in that group there. The eunuchs and the princes of Judah and Jerusalem, the carpenters and the smiths were departed from Jerusalem. Daniel gets carried away in that group. Okay. Verse 3 is a more of an introduction. I want to pick it up in verse 4. Thus saith the Lord of hosts. Here's what the letter says. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all who are carried away captives, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem to Babylon. This is judgment from God. We know that. We don't have time to get into it. God says, hey, listen up. I've got a message for you. Verse 5, build houses. What? Build ye houses and dwell in them. Plant gardens, eat the fruit of them. Take ye wives and beget sons and daughters. And take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands, that they may bear sons and daughters, that ye may be increased there and not diminished. And seek the peace of the city, whither I have caused you to be carried away captives. And pray unto the Lord for it. For in the peace thereof of the city, ye shall have peace. Do you you see what he's saying? You're going away into captivity. You're going to be in a foreign land. Build houses, plant gardens, carry on. And while you do, you pray for that city. Because when it has peace, you have peace. That echoes of some New Testament passages, doesn't it? That we ought to pray for the rulers over us. Yes, we can spit fire about Newsom. We can spit fire about Garcetti or President Trump or whoever. It's easy to. Have we prayed for their salvation? And truly prayed. Because does does not God want all men to be saved? Every single one, even the ones that hate Him. And when... Society aligns itself as close as possible with biblical principles. Don't we have peace and we are able to worship in peace? God says in Babylon, you pray for the city. You build houses and you live. Verse 8, for thus saith the Lord God, the God of Israel, don't let your prophets and your diviners that be in the midst of you deceive you. Neither hearken to your dreams, which you cause be dreamed, for they prophesy falsely unto them. Falsely in my name, I have not sent them, saith the Lord. Listen, verse ten. For thus saith the Lord: After seventy years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you, and I will perform my good word toward you in causing you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Then you shall call on me, and you shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken to you. You shall seek me and find me. When you shall search for me with all your heart, and I will be found of you, saith the Lord. I will turn away your captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and all the places where I had driven you, saith the Lord. And I will bring you again to the place whence I caused you to be carried away captive. Listen, you're going into captivity. You're going into oppression. Be faithful in that. Do you see? There is unrest in America. Yes, there are laws that do not make sense at all. The kingdom of God is bigger than that. You understand? It's bigger. It's so much more than that. The laws of today don't define my identity. My identity waits for me in the kingdom of heaven to be with Him forever and ever. So we can go about griping, go griping about taxes and griping about this and that. And yeah, it's frustrating. But in one sense for us, it's good because it shows us this is not home. This is not the promised land. That is coming still. And there will be a day when He comes to gather us and take us home. In the meantime, what do we do? We be faithful. And we live. We pay our taxes. We obey the laws of the land. We pray for the peace of the land. And in that obedience, we be an example. We have an excellent spirit. What witness would it be if we were always in trouble for law breaking? What witness it would be would it be if they could have found a rap sheet on Daniel? But what did they find? Nothing. May it be the same of us. So they can't get him through this way. So they go another route. Back to Daniel chapter six and verse five. Then said these men, "We shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God." Now, they're not saying... that the, the sense is not in Daniel's failure to keep the law. No. They don't have any idea. They don't care. Listen now. What they're looking for is conflict between the two. Between the laws of the land and the law of God. Let's see where his faith goes against the laws of the land. Which means they've watched him and they already know that it does. By the way... Can people watch you and see? Can they see who you serve? Where your hope lies? This suggestion, this law that they go on to make, we won't read it again, but they go to the king and they make this law. It doesn't come out of thin air. They know that Daniel is a man of prayer. So let's go that route. Now listen, we just brought this down right in today, didn't we? People working behind the scenes with different orders or different laws that are passed. And I believe evil forces working behind the scenes. Influencing leaders, getting their ear. Hey, king, hey, king, doesn't this sound good? Wouldn't this be a good idea? Hey, why don't you sign this order? Why don't you put this edict out? Working behind the scenes, even with leaders who might hold us in a certain favor as our current one does. And they work not necessarily to outright outlaw the practice of faith, though that may come, but to pass laws, to pass ordinances that run contrary to the Bible that causes the church to make a choice. Obey God or obey man. Beloved, let me be clear. We are to obey the laws of the land until they run contrary to the word of God. And By and large, that's been the case, right? We've been able to obey the laws of the land without them running contrary to the laws of God. We haven't had to make that choice. But now things have changed. We see laws and orders being passed that are beginning to infringe on our biblical principles. I would say American principles, but that rises and falls with the government and ultimately my liberties don't rest in a constitution, though I am thankful for it. My liberties rest here with the eternal, unchanging Word of God. And we are seeing laws and orders that are begin, beginning to infringe on those. And we see it and we expect it to intensify. Expect more of these things to come. Laws with ulterior motives. After all, it's only 30 days. 30 days is not a long time. 30 days of no petition, that's what the text says, no prayer, no, no petition to anybody save the king. It's just 30 days, no biggie. You can hold off praying until the end of 30 days. I mean, you can worship, but you've got to worship who we say and how we tell you to. It's only, it's only for a little bit, trust us. Then you can get back to normal. Hmm. Sound familiar? Wasn't that the message at the start of this so-called pandemic? Fourteen days. Well, I mean, thirty days. I mean, a month. I mean, two months. Remember? It's not that you can't worship. You just have to do it how we say. Online only. There was the predictions of millions dying. Within a few months, right? And there was this sense of fear, the sense of the unknown. What, what is this thing? And we took drastic measures that were suggested to, quote-unquote, flatten the curve. And most of society went along with that, and so did many churches. And let me just say, we did too. And I regret that with all that I am. Yes, we did it in caution and concern, But for me, in my heart, in this church, I feel maybe perhaps I should have had a bit more faith. And I fear it will be a a mark against my ministry that's in God's hand. But since then, I've had a change of heart. It began to become clear that something was off, right? And it's not that there's not a virus that's dangerous out there. I'm not saying that. I'm not denying that. There's There's something that is very dangerous to elderly or immunocompromised people. People are getting sick, and people are recovering, and some are not. People have died. I'm not going to be so foolish as to say it's fake. No. People have died. People we know and love, right? And that is a tragedy, each life that is lost. And listen, understand, so are the traffic accidents. So are the homicides. So are the suicides. So are the heart attacks, the strokes. Each one is a tragedy. Not just because of COVID-19. And it's not that, there's not something out there that people can't get sick. It's, not, it's just that it's not the widespread killer of all humanity. Just simple numbers. To date, around 8,600 and probably increasing, people in the state of California with a population of 40 million, and increasing, have died with COVID. Some from it, most with it. Understand what I'm saying? That's 0.02% of the population. The statistics, at least if I can trust them, say that half of those were over 80 So if you're under 80, you have a 0.01% chance of dying and a 99.99% chance of recovery. That's the numbers. With that reason, society has been shut down along with churches. As I said before, every death is a tragedy. And I stand on that and hopefully you hear my heart on that. But... Let me just give I don't have time to give you all the stats or the comparisons from death from alcoholism or drunk driving or smoking or heart disease or other things. Just l- let me just give you one, okay? And I simply state it as fact, not judgment, not, nearly one out of four pregnancies in California will end in abortion. Babies in this state have a 75% chance of living. It's not because of disease. It's not because of dirty surroundings or failed hospitals. It's because their lives are taken in the womb by their own mothers. You line up the kids, and every one out of every four is a statistic. If COVID were that bad, and 25% of the population would die, that'd be 10 million people in California alone. And yet, through the whole time, the clinics have remained open. They were never closed. They're open. You tell me what's more dangerous. People gathering in a congregation to sing and to praise God? Or a place that takes the lives of innocent children. Which one's closed and which one's not. See, there's where I start to draw the line of where I will obey man and where I will not. You understand this. Churches have been closed down. The overreach has continued. Some counties have allowed churches to resume, but with very heavy restrictions, while other places don't experience the same. It's not just our state. The casinos in Sin City itself are allowed to remain open. Churches are closed. And you can see that all across the land. In our own state, the last time I checked, unless something happened overnight, we cannot sing. We cannot be inside. The number is limited. What do we do in the face of that? Follow every order. Open, close, open, close, limit. Sit silent while the piano plays and sing in your head. Let me just simply ask this. What did Daniel do? Verse 10. Now, when Daniel knew, this wasn't a surprise to him. He saw it coming. He was probably in the very room when that decree was signed. I could see those guys just standing there with looking at him like, Hey, sign the thing, king. What are you going to do now, Daniel? When Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem. He kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. What did Daniel do? The same thing he always did. He did what he did before. This wasn't theatrics like I'm going, I'm going into my house and I'm opening the window so everybody can see. No. He did what was done before. Because what Daniel did every day was he opened his windows and he prayed three times a day. And when a law came down from the king to say no, nothing changed. Daniel did what he always did. And beloved, so will we. We will do what we have always done. I have no interest in flash in the pan faith. I have no interest in, by opening, trying to, making a, trying to make a scene or a statement. Like, I'm going to do this just because. As if it's some giant middle finger to the government. No. We do this because it's what we've always done. We have church on Sunday. We have church on Sunday. We open the doors. We come together and we meet. And listen, if some want to wear a mask, amen, that's fine. I have zero problem with it. I'm with you, brother. I'm with you, sister. If you want to keep your distance, that's fine. That's not what we're talking about. We have a biblical mandate to meet as God's people, don't we? And we will do that because that's what we do. Even if it runs against what the the ruling authorities might say. We obey the laws of the land until they run contrary. And then we stand, we worship, we pray as we have always done. So let me just simply address this question that many will ask. Why? What's the big deal? Why not just close it down and go along like everybody else does? What's the, why, are you, why are you churches, why are you Christians getting all riled up about this? Well, let me give you a few reasons. For one, the command of Scripture is to forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, but so much more as you see the day approaching, exhort one another to love and to good works. Don't forsake the assembling of ourselves. And spare me, please spare me, the line, the memes, the posts of the church has left the building. Done seeing that. Or the church is not the building. No, this does not make up our church. We are the church. We understand that. But let me also remind you what the church is. It is a called out assembly. Assemblies assemble. It's just in the very nature of the church. We come together as God's people and we worship and we praise and we preach and we read the word. The Bible says don't forsake that, which means turn your back or ignore or leave it. For some, the orders aren't a problem. They've been forsaking assembling a long time ago, and it's no big deal now. Actually, they think they've got to get out of jail free card because the pesky pastor is not asking you where you've been. <laughs> the command of Scripture is not to forsake it. Secondly, I believe this is essential. The worship of God, the communion of the saints is essential. We need each other as we face the different struggles that we do. You go through different things than I do, and maybe you can give me some strength, or I can give you some strength as we all come together and lift our voices in praise and let the Spirit move among us. This is essential more so than just about any other service I could think of. It's essential. Third, we're to be alike. A bright and shining light in the darkness. We are to be the voice of God in this world, to tell them about Christ, the salvation that He brings, and the fellowship of the church. That's our message, isn't it? What a witness! It. What kind of a witness is it if the lighthouse is always closed down? I would rather San Dimas drive by and see there's people there on Sunday. There's some people that stand by their beliefs. Even if it brings the hatred of the world, even if it brings some persecution, I would rather the light be shining. It's as the Apostle said, we ought to obey God rather than man. And just know, there might come pushback for it. There might come consequences. We don't have time, but you see how the men in verse 11 assemble themselves and find Daniel praying, oh, how convenient. Now nah, they were waiting. They assemble, they find Daniel praying, and then they go to the king, right? <laughs> Look in verse 13. Then answer they and said before the king, That Daniel, you see that phrasing there? That Daniel, that guy, that church, those people. You know how many comments I've read like that? Are we prepared to stand in the face of that? In the face of fines or tickets or cease and desist orders, the water and the power may be being turned off. Along with the hatred in, of those in the world, the threat is there. Are we willing to stand in the face of the threat? Because for some, the threat is enough to shut it down. What did Daniel do? It didn't stop him, did it? Daniel did what he had always done before. you'll get questions. Don't you know? Didn't you hear? Don't you know what could happen? Yes, I do. And I also know who God is. That God is the king above all kings. And he protects his people. So we meet here in faith, believing that it is the right thing to do, that it is honoring God, and that God will protect us through it. So let me finish up with this. We saw the promotion of Daniel. The persecution of Daniel uh, the preservation of Daniel you know what happens we don't have time to go through it the king follows through with the order though he's not happy about it because Daniel's been a faithful witness to him a faithful witness can form some friendships you understand it can break down some doors so that the king of the world is sad that he has to punish because Daniel's excellent spirit you know we don't have to go around with a bitter spirit or a An an, uh, aggressive attitude. I'm going to open the church and I don't care what you say. No. We could do so in a loving manner, right? Anyways, he goes to the lion's den. Can you put yourself there? Verse 16 The king commanded, they brought Daniel, cast him into the den of lions. He hits the floor. And probably expects a big chomp, right? As the lions get him. But nothing. And the whole night passes that way. Now, Sunday school, I remember the pictures of Daniel and the lion's den. They were all lined up neatly by Daniel. And Daniel was petting him. And they were all staring off into this distance at something. It was so nice and cute picture. I don't think that's what it was like. You know what I think it was? I think it was a tense night for Daniel as the lions circled with hungry eyes, ready to pounce. But God kept them at bay, didn't He? You know, in reading up on the history, history records that the Jews, who were, the Jews were the ones who were usually the lion keepers because they were the slaves, so they had to take care of the lions. And there's a phrase that they would always say, you keep your face toward the lion, for a lion will not allow you to turn his back on him. It just simply got me thinking, isn't there a lying that prowls about seeking to devour us? Namely, Satan. And we don't want one who is behind all the evil and all the hatred in society and someone that we must not turn our back on nor give into. And it seems that in this hour, he is circling and we are facing him. And it might be tense and it might require us to have some faith. But beloved brethren, do not forget the lion of the tribe of Judah is our Savior. He is our friend and he is our God and he will watch over us just as he did for Daniel. He will keep Satan at bay just as he always had. In fact, in the end of verse 23, Daniel says this, it says this, Daniel was taken up out of the den and no manner of hurt was found on him because he believed in his God. God has not changed, church. Do you believe that? What if we do face direct persecution? God will preserve. God will bring us through. God will bless. Let me just end with this. The statement that Darius gives. Notice what he writes in verse 26. Talking about God. He is the living God. And He is steadfast forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominions to the end. He delivers. He rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and in earth. And He has delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. (laughs) That's from the mouth of a pagan king. Should not his, His people stand boldly and say the same thing? Let me tell you about the God I serve. Let me tell you why I go to church. Let me tell you what He can do. He saved my soul from hell. He has washed away all of my sins. And He rules as King Supreme over everything. And so you know what? You can make a law. You can pass an order. You can try to shut me down. But God will keep me. God will preserve me. God will deliver me. The last verse says Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and even to the reign of the next one. He prospered. we have a chance to let the light of the gospel, the light of God's love, shine like never before. People's hearts are hurting. People's hearts are broken. People's hearts are confused. They need answers. They need peace. The peace that comes from Jesus. And so even if man says, sit down and be quiet, will we stand up and proclaim? Proclaim. Daniel took a stand and God honored it and protected him and brought him through stronger and with a greater witness. So the question is today, do we believe what we read? Do we believe what we speak? Times like this that we are in is where the rubber meets the road. Where it goes from just being a talk about Christian in name only to being Christian, to living it out when the times get tough. Will we do that? Will you stand in the strength of God and your conviction on the Word of God and dare to be like Daniel? Time is gone. So what we simply do is we'll close in prayer and we'll be dismissed. But as we do pray, I would ask that you take time to look in your own heart and ask for strength to stand. That Faith in God and in His Word would displace the fear that we feel, and we would simply stand and know and, and stand and do what we know to be as right. That we would do as we've always done before, just as Daniel did, and that God, through our actions, would be glorified and He would be seen. Would you stand and bow your heads with me? Father, I thank you for this day. Thank you for the wonderful blessing it is to come here and to meet, Lord. To sing praises to you, to to gather as your church here in this community. Lord, even if the laws of the land are beginning to run contrary to the Bible, Lord, we ask that you would give us strength to honor you above all of that. Help us to stand with an excellent spirit, one that is seen as your spirit works through us, Lord, in our our lives and in our jobs and in the communities around us, that we would stand boldly and do what you would have us to do. Lord, you know the difficulties we face sometimes with our own fears or the persecution or disparaging words of fellow man. Sometimes it's hard for us to make that choice. Sometimes we hesitate to do that, Lord, and I ask for me in my life that you would give me strength to do so. That I would be found standing for you. I ask the same for each heart here, Lord. and That you would strengthen us and guide us and protect us and watch over us, Lord. If there be one who does not know you, Lord, they may know of you and maybe a little bit about you, but they don't know you as Father and they don't know Christ as Savior, that You would, just by Your Word and by Your Spirit, use perhaps what has been said today to to illumine, to the, the, open their eyes to their own sin and their own standing, and that they would cry out to Christ for salvation before it is eternally too late. Be with us as our as Your church here, Lord, that You would help our light to shine so that You may be glorified and You may be seen. I ask that You be with us as we leave from here and go just about our lives, that you would guide us, protect us, and watch over us. I thank you for all that you've done. I ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.